So what is happiness? It's a state of mind which is often elusive and inconstant. So how do we find happiness? I think we first need to know our core being before we can find the answer to what brings us joy. We can read self-help books and listen to people's ideas, but only we can define what truly makes us happy. Happiness can just be waking up in the morning, being with your family or good friends, walking along a beach, and don't forget, a real belly laugh. We live in a world of insufferable noise and distractions. Now more than ever, it's important we take time to do the things that gives us joy. Like ocean waves, happiness comes and goes. Only you can reach out and grab your wave. In times of despair and defeat, try to find that one thing that makes you happy. It can be small, it can be grand, and it can be inspiring, but it's up to you to make it count. So welcome, everyone. Uh, this is our last episode of We Are Talking for the school year. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining. Uh, we're going to go around and say our names. Uh, this week, we are discussing happiness, um, sort of our ideas about it, how we stay happy. Um, yeah, so my name is Catherine. Uh, my name is Jessica Darling. I'm Connor. I'm Cameron. I'm Ian. I'm Matthew. I'm Emma. I'm James. I'm Evan. And I'm the wolf. <laughs> um, perfect. So I think um, this topic comes at a pretty good time given the stress that everyone feels at this time of year, um, myself included. Uh, and I think it's good to sort of take a step back and think about what makes you happy when it sort of seems like everything is, is crushing. Um, yeah. Does anyone have any starting thoughts? I know for me, um, a big a big change in my life from, from when I noticed I was sort of uh, unhappy more than I was happy, and this was about a year ago. Um, I started running, uh, and it was really, really important to me. Uh, and not only does it release endorphins and, and, and do that, but for me, it was also mentally, I felt like I was accomplishing something. Um, you know, I, I felt good about myself when I started running. Um, and it was just, it just, it always altered my mood, a complete 180. Um, you know, if, if I would be upset about something and call my, my father um, and, you know, sort of be in hysterics, uh, he would literally just say, go for a run, call me back in an hour. I'd call him back in an hour and, you know, between the time and, like that I had to just sit and think about everything and also after getting exercise, I would be a completely different person. Um, and I know that that's, that's a tool that a lot of people have. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I think you're thinking about the core being, your core being, and connecting as you, and you run and things come to you and you begin to let go. That's important, you know, not to, went back to the baggage uh, that I mentioned the last time, uh, that if we carry too much baggage with us, it will hold us back. We have to let go, and if something is unpleasant or something is hurtful, the moment you can let that go without being angry, but just let it go, then you're fine, then you will find the balance. You know, carrying on being angry is only hurting yourself. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it is the truth. 
I personally can't run. My feet are far too flatted for that. <laughs> so, and anyway, running requires sweating, and <laughs> but um, I like to go for nice long walks and stuff. Just kind of walk across the city. I it, I really like when it's at night. Of course, I can't really choose when I'm not feeling exactly the happiest, but. When it's at night, I get to see all the city lights and everything, and it and I've never lived in a city before, right? I come from a small village, so looking up and seeing all these city lights just look like stars, and it's beautiful. So you know, you're supposed to, whenever you're upset, take 20 minutes to relax, right? And think about it because that's how long it takes. Um, but going for a nice long hour walk, getting the nice uh, cold uh, air. Definitely, definitely worth it. Definitely calms you down, gets you thinking, gets you happier. So, yeah, that's why I usually do. It gives me a chance to think about the things I like, and, yeah. You said something uh, the last time we met about your, what you loved the most. Oh, yeah. Um, I mentioned that during the summer when I'm at my cottage, uh, there's a beach right outside, and I go walking in the ocean water up to my calves and just stroll through very patiently and use my eyes and find as many sand dollars as I can. And, oh, it is a euphoric experience. <laughs> but it's one that I know that will give me joy. And so it's something that I frequently do in the summer. So I know it's going to give me that euphoric feeling. But a lot of the time, I find that Joy is something that comes to you more so than you can go and find it. And uh, I really have learned to appreciate fleeting moments of joy instead of an overarching goal of being happy or happiness in general. And uh, just appreciating those small little tidbits of absolute pleasure is almost better than being happy all the time because I might just get bored with it. <laughs> you can't you can't force joy. Be joyful right now. Just go and you can't you can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's something to learn about being happy is different than being content. Um, so for me like that's 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 really interesting to think about that that happy is a great state to be in. But, I, you know, you must recognize that there's a piece that's relative to that that may not be so happy. And that you kind of have to work between those things to, to realize that. Um, you can, like, you can't force it. You know, you can try and, and, and pick sand dollars. If you were to schedule going and picking sand dollars, it might not be the same as a relaxed day of going and picking sand dollars. Uh, back to exercise and running and going for a walk, I found as a teenager, and I still find that now, except I kind of, I have to run more instead of just walking, is that it's just such an expression of, of freedom. Like, I can just go and move, and I'm getting away, and I'm, I'm propelling myself, and I don't need the problems that are holding me back, or, or anything like that, you know? Like, I can still move, and I can still kind of express myself, and, and feel free. I think that's that's a great feeling I can get when I exercise. Every every time I go for a run, I, I don't know why, like the, the first time I actually made a, a calculated effort to go run, the first idea that popped into my head was, this is what I was built to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not like, like, like athletic, I mean like as human beings, like you're made to move. 
And now every time I run, the second I like turn on a treadmill or like start down a block, my head just goes, this is what you were made to do. I have a tiger plays in the background. <laughs> yeah. What I think is really interesting about all of these things that people are describing is that whether it's running, walking, picking sand dollars on the beach, I do think that they are moments that you can cultivate happiness. And I think it's really important as a mechanism in our lives that we find small things that bring us joy that we actually can turn to on a regular basis. Um, for me, uh, something that I love to do that always makes me feel accomplished and happy with myself and the work that I do is I love to paint and I've never taken an art class but I love to paint and so studying and doing that and the better I get the more accomplished I feel and sometimes it's frustrating but I mean I give my paintings away to people um, and so they're never just for me I never have to see what I would maybe see as a failure or something like that in a, in a thing, but I feel running can be the same way. Um, singing in the shower, that's something that, that brings you moments of happiness. So I do think that though moments of maybe ecstatic joy are kind of very based in that one specific moment in time, I do think there are things that we can do in our day-to-day -day lives that, that make us happier in general. And um, I think it's when we lose sight of those things that keep us in a happy, frame of mind that we start to sink into places that, um, you know, are maybe just okay or less than okay. And so I'm a firm believer that it's really important to cultivate those things that you love to do and never forget that you love doing them mm -hmm. and never really question why other than the fact that you get some sort of fulfillment out of it and that's really important. Yeah, I think the important part about these okay. things is that the fulfillment <coughs> is based in just doing it. <laughs> if you think about being happy or being joyful, um, I mean, we're all in an academic setting. It feels very good to get an A on a paper or to get into that school or to do these things. But like these are all, these all should be treated as nice surprises, not as the center of what validates me or what makes me happy because those are things that you can't rely on yeah. that are outside of like your own authority. Yeah, your own authority, um, your own capability. Like there are so many different things when you start believing that happiness is from accomplishing or getting something. Mm -hmm. Happiness is just doing it, whatever it is. I, I think uh, for me that really resonates with, uh, with music as a child, uh, I'm not musically talented, but I've put in a number of hours, uh, about 18 years of my life, <laughs> uh, into music. And so uh, out of, I think, just that, I have uh, developed some sort of skill at it. Um, but so growing up, it, it was very frustrating for me to, to practice because I just couldn't progress at the same speed as other students. And, um, and so I quit 100 times over. and. The one time uh, I rejoined piano and really loved it is, is when I did it out of my own want to do it. And it was a really, really great experience. I started learning a lot more, um, but I had a teacher that put so much pressure on me to succeed and to be a part of this and to only get the highest marks in exams. And it became a source of uh, pain for me. It, it became awful. I dreaded practicing. I dreaded lessons. Um, and I quit the day before my grade eight exam. Uh, and felt sort of freed 
um, and a year later found a composer that I loved um, and just sat at the piano for days and only played this one composer um, and just everything washed away and all of my bad feelings uh, because it, it became something that I took pleasure out of and not a source of stress which is uh, which is, was really important because there's enough I think stress going on in everyone's lives. I think that one can also say that maybe not so much happiness and joy as fulfillment that we've been discussing, right? Mm -hmm. And I, you made me think of when I was only 31 years old and I... That was just a few days ago, Oh, right? thank you, my dear. <laughs> uh, that I had my debut, a debut as a stage director and, and uh, the play was The Importance of Being Oscar. And I remember that euphoric moment of all the hard work that I put in, all the nerves, all the this is not, not not going to this is not going to be successful. This is going to be absolutely horrendous and awful, and I owe it to the actors and all that. The moment it was over, and fifteen hundred people got up on their feet and gave us a standing ovation. That was to me, and this sounds at the moment maybe clip, but it wasn't mm -hmm. because this was hard work. This was my dream, this was my, my exploration, this was my exploring myself as I directed the actors. We, all, we were a family. When people got up and applauded us, mm -hmm. that was a moment that would never be forgotten. Well, I think we all crave self-validation yeah. from things. Um, Emma and I had a talk about this the other day, and I feel like a lot of times we want to be able to stand alone and say, like, this makes me happy when I do it for myself. And that's well and good, but I'm a true believer of this, like, no man is an island or woman or person. You really <laughs> have to just be able to do the things that, that you find joy in when they happen. But sometimes you will, people will recognize something that you've done in a positive way. And it's okay to take joy from that, to be on stage and have a standing ovation, or to get an A on your paper that you poured your heart into. Like, these are okay forms of validation, and I think a lot of time people, you know, it's important to strike balances between things and maybe not put all your eggs in one basket, but it is really important to try and derive sources of happiness and pleasure and satisfaction from different streams of your life. Yeah, and we do deserve it. Yeah, you do. You see, and you should say to yourself, I deserve some recognition. Yeah. If I work very hard on something, enjoy that recognition mm -hmm. and take it for the pleasure it mm -hmm. is. I mean, my joy that evening was that all these people had been moved mm. and they went away with something that they enjoyed and they were going to discuss and they were going to think about. That was what I enjoyed the most. Personally, for me, I find what differentiates whether or not something makes me happy <laughs> is um, whether or not I actually wanted to do whatever it was. Um, I mean, I felt happy having accomplished something, but it's only ever really when I, you know, did it of my own accord, or more so that it was something I didn't not necessarily that I enjoyed doing it, but something that I wanted to achieve. I find a lot of times I've worked hard doing something I didn't want to do, similarly um, to what was previously said about playing the piano. I took piano lessons for a long time without ever actually enjoying it because it was something I had to do and I had to practice for it. Whereas on the other hand, I played the drums and I probably put about just as much effort, if not more so, into the drums. Mostly because I did it without anyone's consent, really. I just did it because I wanted to. and. Um, 
I found that was much more fulfilling for me personally. It wasn't really necessarily to do with whether or not it validated me. And I mean, at times, of course, it did when I played drums in front of an audience. But um, ultimately, what was important, I found, was uh, that I enjoyed doing it. I think that validation that you receive from an ovation or from a good grade, it comes from being understood. You communicated this idea, and people understood that, and that resonated with them, and that's the good feeling. When, right, like how good is it to feel understood when you're in a relationship with someone or whatever? You can communicate that and they understand and they know exactly what's going on. That's what's great about validation. You know, how, how good does it feel like when you kind of half-ass something and you get a good, good result? It's like, oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. Right? Exactly. But when you put a lot of effort into something and people recognize what you did and like people, like, being understood feels very good. And I think that's what we need to look for. It's not, you know, it's not that I got an A. It's that this person understands the idea that I'm trying to communicate. Because um, it is about pouring your heart and soul into it. It's not about getting this product back from a product you put in. I think um, just reflecting on some of the topics we've um, gone over over the course of the school year, um, one of the things that comes to mind for me is um, the first talk we had, which was about body image. Um, and towards the end of it, we actually talked about sort of things we can do to encourage people to just feel good, um, which I think is very relevant in this. Um, and, and we talked about just, you know, going out of your way and telling someone uh, a compliment, you know, saying like, that's a nice sweater. Or like, I really like that play you were in last week. Or, or, or something. <laughs> but the thing is, it's something so simple. But for me, I know that if someone, you know, comes up and, to me and says like, wow, like, that's a cool hat you're wearing. Like, it's not much, but it really, like, it really helps. And, and I think, like, it is validating to have someone else recognize, even if it's something as stupid as a hat. <laughs> it's, it's nice to have someone come up and say something like that. I think we have to be certain that when we talk about happiness, we don't just talk about it personally and what it means for us and our like subjective experience of what makes us happy but also like promoting happiness for other people and happiness for happiness sake is a wonderful thing too and I think you know sometimes the danger when you talk about happiness or sadness things like that is people get very very personal about it and that's a good place to start and build from but you have to like we have to understand that people we're all humans we're going through similar things just in different strokes and and um so that brings up an excellent point, like in, in body image, when we talked earlier this year, like, you know, what, sometimes it's very external to you, and, and happiness is something that, um, that you can't always describe for someone else, and someone else shouldn't be able to describe for you, but we need to be able to all, like, enter into a, a wider picture of happiness, instead of just, you know, like, I like horseback riding, I like running, I like picking up sand dollars on the beach, these things that we, that make us individually happy, but also need to understand them in a greater context. Happiness. Yeah, and we also did talk about the, in the body image, uh, and, and last time as well, that buying people who think they can buy happiness. You can't buy happiness. It doesn't matter if you got millions and millions of dollars, you can pretend you're happy. But that's not really the truth. So people who go and buy and buy, or they go to all these uh, and read all the books that they think will solve their problems for them, 
there is no solving problems except you. Right, and there's no one way no, to do it. No, there isn't. There isn't. Yeah, and um, <laughs> something that uh, for me, like this is sort of contradictory, but uh, you know, money can't buy happiness. Uh, like on the same like same token, though, I think there are some times where it's just like I'm gonna buy myself a thing because I can, and I just accomplished something, and I want to look pretty in a dress. Um, or I want to eat a whole pack of bacon <laughs> uh, because bacon is happiness sometimes. Uh, but I think it, it completely depends on your mood, what you've been going through. Um, you know, sometimes a walk in the park's what you need. Sometimes, you know, a whole pack of bacon. A whole pack of bacon. <laughs> I've been there, and it has made me quite happy and then quite sick. Yeah. <laughs> happiness, male half price. Yeah. Uh, one thing I remember uh, Emma said at the closing of last time was that I think she brought up an example of her friend like buying into her own brand or like promoting her own brand. Yeah, investing in investing, her brand is what uh, she calls it, yeah. Like, why don't, why don't we do that more often? I mean, it could be that pack of bacon, you know? <laughs> Once again, I think that's another fleeting moment of joy that you can just enjoy and then it's gone and you gotta move on to something else. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of body image, something that comes to mind with me always is that your body is not just your exterior, it's your interior. Focusing on your own personal health, both physically and mentally, can uh, do wonders for you that will go beyond any article of clothing that you can wear. I've, I like recently I've just tried to go to the gym more often and be as healthy as possible. And you know what? I feel a lot better. I'm way more alert, and that has allowed me to do many more things. And I realize that if you wake up maybe like five hours earlier than you usually <laughs> do, you can do a lot of things in the day. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there are so many compound ways that you can look at body image uh, that go just beyond what you see in the mirror. Yeah, we talked a little bit last time about um, checking out and so being able to, to take those those um, those moments um, and just do you mm -hmm. uh, which which I think is important in, in um, all respects um, but another thing we talked about that I think is worth addressing is sort of um, we touched on and, and Evan sort of sparked this last time the difference between introverts and extroverts and, and how people as Ian's been, been pointing out people don't find joy in the same ways um, uh, and, and so it's, I think, important to note just how different people can be and, and, and to be able to identify people's needs because, you know, sometimes when someone's unhappy, they want to jump into a party and just do whatever and be with people and have that. Uh, but sometimes people just want to be listened to and they don't want your advice. They don't want you to tell them why they're wrong. They want you to just be able to be there and sit in silence. Um, and just listen. I think uh, my, my closest friend, uh, the way I describe uh, him to people is that he's my, he's my friend without words. Um, and for me, that's, that's closer than any other friendship. I talk a lot. <laughs> um, it's kind of impossible to get me to shut up sometimes. And there are moments um, of deep sadness that we've experienced together where we're able to just sit and be silent 
or sit and cry. And the other one knows that they don't need to give advice, they don't need to say anything, but that what the other person needs is just a body to be there and just to understand. Um, and I think that it's important to note that not everyone always wants you to give them advice. Mm -hmm. I think collective emotions are a really interesting thing too. Like, if we're talking about happiness on a larger scale, if we're looking at like a maybe a concert with a crowd of screaming fans, like this kind of frantic happiness and energy that they all feel about being part of something like that is, is tangible, right? And at the same time, a group of people that are incredibly upset, maybe grieving about something, that's tangible too. So I think it's really interesting to explore, like, as a group, can we, can we promote a culture of like awareness and and happiness and I think that that's a very interesting concept that like do we live in a fundamentally blah satisfactory generation and age or are we you know are we regressing are we progressing I mean these are some interesting big questions yeah well I think also just the idea of personal happiness personal happiness in general and personal happiness as an object to pursue is probably a relatively modern mm -hmm. um, idea. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to happiness uh, within a community or just like communal happiness as you're like identified with your happiness. Um, I think like what we can glean from that is that often giving, um, like actually uh, taking time for yourself, but also giving yourself to something else can often make you actually removing the focus from yourself can yeah. actually help you situate yourself like in a wider context. Mm -hmm. So there, I think there's like some video on YouTube that talks about that, how um, being compassionate and showing love and um, makes you happy and obviously like the other person too. It's like such a communal thing, I think. Yeah, and I think you brought up a really good point too about like maybe in the long run of history, like has happiness always been such an individual goal? I don't think so. Like, when you read a Greek tragedy, the <laughs> characters, even the ones that seem fine at the beginning, they're not talking about, like, oh, I'm so happy that X happened. They're like, I'm, I'm satisfied that I have run a good state. <laughs> you know, and it's just this interesting notion that even theater, which is something that people used to express themselves in Western civilization, for sure, for a long time, and has been used to examine traits, really doesn't deal with happiness until that recently and happiness I think this is all tied into happiness as a commodity that people you know um, have latched onto and sold I think really since the end of the second world war uh, in that marketing blitz um, but even more recent than that and this is a really intriguing notion that, yeah, when you, when that doing you, something for yourself yeah. and being external to yourself is maybe an older notion but but something that is so important to your society around you, not just you. As a as a kind of vice versa thing, the Greek tragedies also had what we don't really have today with characters could actually cry and show sadness, right? And I don't know if it's just mm. me in my opinion, but a good cry and a good show of sadness where you can express your emotion is so similar to a good happiness. You can let your emotions flow, you can feel, feel all around you. They're completely opposite polar end emotions, but they're so very, very similar. And while in more modern culture we can uh, show in these um, plays uh, happiness, we tend to lose sadness. And in the old ones, where we lost the uh, happiness, we had the sadness. So, 
your road. I love a good cry. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's cleansing. It's really cleansing, really. I had no reason to be in a bad mood last Friday. I was with people and I was having a great time, but my mood was just not there. And I just said, "Excuse me, I have to go." And I cried for ten minutes, and then I was great. <laughs> went back. Good thing I live above a bar. I went back and joined everyone who <laughs> washed the makeup off my face. And, and like literally, I think it was just the, the stress of everything was getting to me. Um, and for me, it was just therapeutic. I didn't tell anyone. That's what I went to go do. I was like, I'm going to go for a second. Now they know. Cry. Now everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I think a good cry is healthy. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and back to, to your opening speech, too. A, a, like, a good belly laugh, too, is, is contagious. I love... I have so many fond memories of, uh, of my childhood. I have three older siblings, and we're all very close in age. Uh, so there were a lot of nights where things would get silly. <laughs> and I use the term silly. We would just, like, start, like dressing up in costumes and doing skits and, and stupid things. But I just remember like the laughter would be contagious and we'd all be in sort of a pile just like crying because we were so happy. And I think really fondly of those those moments and, and how contagious that can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and I think again like promoting this notion of being outside of yourself when you're doing something or trying to do something that's not just for you. You know like I, <laughs> there's a, you know, a common example of maybe doing charity work or something like that but sometimes you're you kind of you know you do charity work because you had to take civics and careers in Ontario in grade 10 and you're like I really didn't want to do anything related to that and then maybe you went and you worked at the snowsuit fund and it actually ended up being a really validating experience for who you were you know being able to help other people that needed things and there's a finding happiness in things that are common like doing good or willing good things saying hello to people and actually meaning it like wow what a bizarre notion instead of walking with your head down and trying to go about your day for you being like a little less egocentrical and a little less self-centered and trying to be a part of the world around you i mean all of these things kind of tie back into collectivity and understanding right when are you the most comfortable around people when you're comfortable around them you can talk to them you feel like you can be understood you know what's what's awesome like what what builds a great relationship or um, like a friendship or anything like that it's a collective experience right you think about going to a concert everybody around you if they don't have their phones pointed at the stage <laughs> you're collectively experiencing this awesome moment this is all something that we shared together this is something incredible like again uh, it's something that happens with siblings and friends like there are certain uh you know certain jokes or certain references and things that you can say that mean a lot more to the people you care about because you know they're going to understand it um and that feels very good to know that like you're you've shared life with another person yeah um and it could be as minute or incredible is is very important. Like, I just wonder if as a society we place so much emphasis on personal happiness that we really kind of forget the greater picture of things. And as a result, people seem, maybe <laughs> I'm just spitballing here, people seem more sad because they're not achieving that level of personal happiness that's mm -hmm. somehow required or mandated. And maybe, maybe this all speaks to again kind of what I was trying to get at earlier with this trend like are we a fundamentally more 
sad or just satisfactory group of people. And mm. so, well, like, yeah. You're right. Well, you're right. When, when you look at art, like great opera, great theater, <laughs> great writers, that was gloom and doom. That was not, yay, yeah. isn't that funny? Yeah. I mean, Tosca, uh, I mean, and what is it that moves us with these dramas, these, this beautiful music, uh, the, 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 the words? It moves us because you don't, you're not pushing happiness on anybody. You are giving them something that is so magic. And real. And real and, 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 and extraordinary that you can let it in. You can use sadness. You should be sad at times. It, we all have a light side and a darker side, and we need to balance these two. Yeah, because there's sometimes nothing more annoying than being in a room with someone who's oh. fake happy the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, like, my God, give it a rest, please. <laughs> like, what is going on here? So maybe the question isn't, you know, maybe not so much about uh, happiness as something you can achieve or attain, but as, like, just being... Um, Truthful? Honest. Mm -hmm. Honest? Well, p part of the reason why, um, and you were part of this discussion, Ian, of why this was sort of the last theme we wanted to discuss yeah. is, you know, we thought it was a good topic to end on because, you know, we talked about things that, that you know, I think everyone experiences or struggles with, if not the issue itself, something similar. So we talked about body image, we talked about environmental issues, we talked about um, LGBTQ identity. Uh, and it's, you know, with, with all of these things in very different ways, it's not possible to be happy about everything 100% of the time. Um, and I think learning to be okay with things is just as good, you know? Learning to accept the things you can't change is really important. For me, as an environmental student, I think a lot about how we're killing the world. <laughs> I can't change that by myself, but I'm going to put out an effort, and I feel great about that. I know I'm not going to be Captain Planet, but you know I'm okay with that. And, Good superhero. You know, <laughs> yeah. not everyone is going to understand, uh, you know, a point of view of someone who doesn't identify as the you know heteronormative, you know, subject A. But being okay with with who you are and happy with with being who you are is really important. And just being okay and comfortable is sometimes better than anything else. Actually, um. Regarding the topic of activism, um, I found myself unhappy in two different ways in my life. One would be the, you know, the normal state of being sad where something is upsetting me, or I, you know, I, I feel upset about something. But um, I, I find that that's not necessarily the worst unhappy state to be in because it's a rather normal thing to experience. But for me, what's worse is rather a feeling of uh, I guess you could say lethargy or of the lack of interest in life or a disillusionment with life that can sometimes come from a variety of uh, sources. Um, and uh, I find that, you know, that what the best way to get out of that sort of rut that it, you can get, I get stuck in a lot is to find something to invest my time in or my efforts because, I mean, everyone's efforts are worth something. And, uh, you know, that's what the whole, you know, helping other people, it's not just the shared joy, but it's also the validation that you can make other people happy or something improved. 
and I find that if you don't spend any time doing, you know, if you don't make any effort for anything, then you're really, not necessarily you're living a wasted life, but it can easily feel like that. I think this is a good time to mention um, that happiness doesn't always come easily, come at all. Um, there's a very big difference that's really important to talk about uh, between feeling stressed or feeling upset um, and being depressed. Uh, depression is a very real illness. It's uh, sometimes not treated as such because it doesn't take a physical form like other illnesses do, but it's um, a very serious illness and it affects a lot of people. Um, it really starts coming into play for a lot of people at uh, this, this sort of age group university um, just because sort of the stress of real life is starting to hit. Um, but if, if you think that it's something that you are suffering from, um, you know, if, if it feels like you've, you've hit a point that you can't uh, bring yourself back from, uh, there are so many people there who are around to help. Um, just in terms of the city of Halifax, we've got services um, at Dalhousie Counseling, there's services at the hospitals around the city, uh, not to mention a number of different um, doctors and, and psychiatrists and psychologists all around the city uh, who take patients. Uh, but there's also, you know, even if it gets down to it, a 24-hour mobile crisis unit. So if you feel like you're at a point that's not going to get any lower, no matter what time of day it is or where you are, uh, there's someone who's going to drive to you because you're worth that. Um, and so it's just important to note that, you know, if you try running and you try doing all these things and it's not working, that um, it's okay to talk to someone and that a lot of people experience this. Yeah, and experiencing sadness or depression is still a human emotion. You're not an alien for thinking or being that way. And that seeking help is an important, sometimes for many people, a really important path to to better things in the future. Yeah, talk to a therapist, you know, people can help you get, um, seek out and get this happiness. It might not come easily, you might need to get help, help is all right. You know, we have to get happiness how we can get happiness, right? I think, uh, for me, having experienced, uh, I guess I would say, an anxious or depressive episode during my, my first year of university, after I decide, after like I began to to move my way up, I never, I never, I didn't think about attaining happiness. I thought I'm learning how to live now, and I think that's something that we need to think about and and, and consider. I, like, I would say again, post World War II consumer culture has really ingrained it in us, but like. Did my grandparents really question whether or not they were happy? Maybe they did when they were older, but like they just lived. Like they were, they were, they lived in a farming community. They took care of their family. They took care of their life. They had good times. They had great experiences with great people. But they just lived. And I think we need to really reassess. Like happiness is such a strange word, but like you have to think about living, that happiness is a fleeting feeling or, or something like that. And there are, there are moments that you can structure in and there are things you can take pride and joy in. Mm -hmm. But you really have to think, I'm learning how to live. I'm living. Um, you know, I could say that I'm happier now 
than I was when I was having a depressive episode. But I've had a horrible time since then. But I've learned how to live with them, right? And, and I think that's a really important thing to think about. Is, you know, don't consider whether or not you're happy. Consider, how, like, maybe how am I living? Um, it's interesting to think that we think of happiness as this isolated individual feeling, but so is depression. So, I mean, now I really often do try to think of happiness or trying to be happy or find joy or find validation, I think is probably the best thing, is if I'm engaging and working with other people or providing something of value for other people. For me, that's, that feels very good. Might not be happy, but like I know I'm doing something. And uh, that comes out of living in community and working with other people. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that uh, we are talking has opened the door to so many wonderful moments and expressions from you, all of you. And it made me think of, I'm a World War II child. My grandparents, who were absolutely magnificent people, they would not talk, talk. They would say, uh, what's for dinner? What are we doing tomorrow? Uh, how is the household being run? Any problems? Boom. World War II changed that because when the bombs fell, we talked. We shared. We held each other. We communicated. That's where it all began. World War II. But then there was that long period of, ah, oh, now the, world, the war is over, now we go back into our worlds and the doors closed. Now they are opening because of you. And I think we live in a profoundly emotional time, and I mean emotional in the broad spectrum of emotion that encompasses everything from maybe extreme depression to extreme joy and meets kind of an equalizing force and satisfactory. And I think it's, it's interesting because we place so much emphasis on feeling these things, yet a lot of times we aren't able to express them or talk about them as a society and as, as a human race, and how these things are measured in very different ways all over the world. Um, and it's just cognizant, it's really important to be cognizant of the fact that, that we do live in an emotional time regardless of what that emotion is and it's actually okay and encouraged to feel these emotions but that this is relatively new and we do have to help people through like ourselves people in general work through these things because we're still kind of playing out what it's like to live in an inc incredibly emotional time mm -hmm. yeah um okay it's a weird little finger pointing there. Um, yeah, for one, we live, especially in Canada, in a world of absolute opportunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of the time, that in itself can be one of the most overwhelming things in existence. There is just so many paths that we could go. And picking one, which is especially prominent since we're all in university, uh, like back when my parents were in school, and my parents are both baby boomers, uh, they basically had one path. 
in in university if they weren't going to be doctors, lawyers, or uh, whatever. Now is to be teachers, so that's what they became, you know. But now we have about ninety different degree options at Dalhousie. Um, I have no idea what to pick. I know what I can't do, uh, <laughs> uh, but that just leaves me with so many options. And honestly, like that can stand in the way of any sort of happiness for me because I am supposed to plan at 18 what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I'm sure we've all been at that position at one time or another, whether it be 18, whether it be 16, whether it be however old you are now. Um, but at the same time, like when you have all of those opportunities, you can say anything is possible. But now like mental illness is extremely prominent. Uh, we have uh, a lot of different cultural signifiers that constantly push on us. Uh, that consumer culture post-World War II still exists in, in stride. There's been so many dramatic, dramatic shifts in world politics over the past 60 years. All of this uh, opportunity and lack of equity for the rest of the world like really does some damage on me sometimes. Um, I was just thinking about sort of what you're saying about about you have all this pressure to choose, um, yeah. and, and just in the context of uh, degrees, um, and maybe it's just because it's my job to recruit students to come here. But yeah. part of like the reason the reason honestly why I chose Foundation U program. Uh, primarily was I didn't know what I wanted to do. I recognized that I was 18 and that I had a million choices to make that could direct the rest of my life and I didn't know what to do and this seemed like a good place. Um, I understood that it was a program that was going to teach me how to learn um, and then I would also be able to cross a lot of books off my read list and I could go home and gloat and I read Plato, I read whatever. Um, but there is a lot of pressure, and, and I talk to a lot of students who, who feel that pressure, and, and um, it's hard because uh, I think now more than ever, we feel obligated to get a university de degree. Um, my friend put in an, an application to Garage, which is like a teenage girl clothing store, and you're not allowed to work there without a degree. You have to have a university degree to work there, um, which is ridiculous, and I think that that's there's a lot of pressure and then once you graduate you, you have the pressure to get a job in a lackluster job market um, and I think that the, uh, there's this beautiful video I think it's like a funnier die video on YouTube and it says we're the Millennials and we're sorry and it's and it's them apologizing for you know uh, not owning a car or not getting a job and only working part-time but it's it's brilliant because it's it's them going forward and saying like, sorry that I don't have a full-time job because you left me uh, a terrible job market with <laughs> no you know, opportunities and like, sorry I don't do this. And, and I think uh, it's very important to, to sort of frame where we are in time and, and what's happened with, with the generations past and, and that like, there are some pretty bleak things to, to, that stress everyone out. Um, but it's only because we see them as bleak. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Right? Like, are the courses I'm taking, do they really define me? Does that really make me important? Like, oh man, it's shitty. Like, I'm only going to work part-time and it's not going to be in a field that I want. But like, can I 
are we still going to make that what defines us as being happy? Um, and that's a really important shift that I know I'm going to struggle with once I graduate. Uh, that, that a lot of people, right? Because, I mean, it's very, again, it's consumer culture. It's product-based. And, um, you know, we think we have to identify and love what we're learning in school so much. And, like, with this, put all of our eggs in one basket. And that's just not doesn't work for some people, and that's okay. And not having a post-secondary or even a, um, finishing a high school education is okay. It's frowned upon in society, but the question is, do you know what you want to do? If you're sure of yourself, everyone can't have a university education and expect they're going to get some high-paying job. Where would, who would work the rest of the jobs? How would society run, right? It's not made to run with everyone having the exact same level of education. It's what do you want to do with your life? What do you feel comfortable with? What do you feel good at? You know, in Britain, it, it's even worse having to choose younger what you want to do with the rest of our lives. Because let's face it, we never know what we're going to do with our lives. We're always deciding what are we good at? What do we enjoy doing? Our interests change. But you know, what does make us happy? And we have to consider that. I have some friends who never finished high school and they're okay with that. They're getting their GED, they're going about their life other ways, and they're happy with that. What makes you happy as a person? Um, yeah, so. Yeah, being uh, content with yourself allows you to be happy with others, which is what Ian has been talking about at length. I mean, if you're if you don't focus on yourself first and not to the point of narcissism or, or just over self-indulgence but to the point where you feel okay I can go out and do things <laughs> and do things with other people because they're nice too you know, but that honestly a lot of the time that takes a huge amount of work mm -hmm. Um, this ties in a little bit with the LGBTQ um, episode we had um, in that there's a lot of pressure um, to conform a lot of the time that kind of interferes with our ability to decide what we want to do with our lives. I mean, um, and that can be in a variety of ways um, that could be specifically to do with LGBTQ in that um, there's a pressure to conform to a specific uh, way of, you know, expressing yourself or in terms of university there's can be the pressure to try and pick a degree or something like that that's going to get you more money even though that's kind of a really strange way to look at a university education um, and I mean that can all that can always put a lot of stress and uh, it can really be counterintuitive to you know being comfortable with your own decisions um, we're gonna wrap things up shortly but last time we talked and that had a, a pretty beautiful story about finding happiness um, that I think uh, would be nice to revisit okay. if she will indulge. Well, um, I had in Denmark when I came back from America, uh, went through uh, a very, very uh, scary surgery and I almost died. And I came out of that surgery being miserable. I was, I was worried about what was I going to do with the rest of my life because now I had been through this surgery, I could not go back on 
the Hollywood treadmill and get back into the red carpet stuff. I hated it. I didn't want to do it. So uh, I went to a friend of mine. We had a conversation. She said, um, uh, have you ever or have you considered uh, Buddhism? And I said, I beg your pardon? <laughs> and she said, yeah, Buddhism. Uh, there's a Lama living here in Copenhagen who actually is a Tibetan Lama. And uh, I think you should maybe make an appointment. I didn't get what she wanted from me. I didn't get what she sent me into. So I call Lakalama and uh, I make an appointment and he opens the door, this wonderful little man with this beautiful face. And he says, welcome, and we go down into the, his basement and there was his shrine and there were two chairs and he gestured for me to sit in one and he sat across from me and he just looked at me briefly. Then he put his hands on his knees and closed his eyes. Now here is a person who is so used to, I thought, communicating and talking. I didn't know what to do. I just sat. And he didn't do anything. And suddenly I felt the floodgates open and tears as hot as boiling water were running down my cheeks and it carved like red lines in my cheeks. And I did that for a solid hour. Not a word was said. When the hour was gone, he opened his eyes, looked at me and said, perhaps you'd like to come back another day. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back many times and he became my teacher and my master and he saved me. He really did. Not religiously, but humanly. He taught me humanity. And um, I'll never forget that. A person's spirituality and the humanities also a big part of who you are, what makes you happy. For some people, it ties indirectly with religion. For others, it doesn't. And either way, that's great. You know, whatever helps them find their spirituality, who they are brings them the happiness that's inside them, helps them find themselves. You know, it's it's just perfect, it's beautiful. Thank you for the story. Yeah. Well, if humanity is just sitting there shutting up and listening, why are we getting degrees and telling everybody about our achievements? <laughs> well, I like little self <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the little standing ovation. <coughs> Just a tiny one, right? Yeah. If you think about it, university is all about listening to some guy talking to you. So, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of listening involved. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it, 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 this is, like I said at the beginning, this has come especially for me at a very, very in time, I have been feeling a lot of stress lately, and, and, and having these conversations has really made me think about um, about what I'm doing and, and why I'm doing it, and, and it's made me sit and think, like, why do I want to go to school? Why do I want to do this? Um, and I think happiness is, is a constant state of change, and, and it's something you always have to question, uh, because if you're not doing something you love, you know, if you're doing something that brings you down, you need to sort of question why you're doing it, what are your motives? Um, and how, how is it something that contributes to you? You know, if it's something that makes you unhappy, is it contributing to something that will one day make you happy or, or something like that? Um, and I think that it comes in all shapes and sizes. Um, yeah, does anyone have any closing remarks they'd like to share? 
Well, I think it's just one thing that I know will never make anyone happy is if they don't let themselves be who they are. And um, regarding what I was saying a little bit earlier, it's really important that you allow yourself to be who you are, even if who you are at the moment isn't necessarily the happiest person. And if, if you don't let yourself express your feelings and your thoughts as they are, or if you try to change them arbitrarily or with force, then you're, end up, you're just gonna end up hurting yourself in some way. Spend some time talking to people, spend some time alone, you know, just find yourself in the manner it takes. That is true. Thank you everyone so much for coming. This has been lovely. I'm going to miss you all so much. <laughs> <laughs> miss you too. Um, is this is my like, personal? <laughs>